Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Yeah, happy birthday, church. It's pretty awesome. As you can see, our heart is just to kind of come together tonight. And so we're going to give. We're going to give you at least give you an opportunity to give tonight. And we'll get to that as we go through the sermon. Um, it's kind of fun taking Anniversary Sunday, which is our birthday today, and Heart for the House, combining them and just bringing them to you as a church. Um, as it was said in our in our team rally, like, this is our house and this is God's house. And I love that it's, it's both and. Like, we get to partner with God in this place. So if you've been blessed by this place, then maybe tonight you can also be a blessing as well. And so we will take that special offering later. It's going to happen. But first, we're going to get more into the scripture about all these things, about everything we're talking about, about having a heart for the house, about really feeling, like, connected to this place and what, it, what does it mean to really long for that. Um, I don't know about you, but church... Church is just such a, a beautiful thing. I've been in church my, most of my whole life. Anyone else would say, I've been in church for, like, grew up in the church. Whenever I ask for polls, no one participates. Would you, like, yeah, I like church. Yeah, how many would say I'm relatively new to church? Just give me a little wave or a wink. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. Um, you know, church is such a funny thing. When I say church, when we say heart for the house, when we say coastline church, whatever it may be, I'm sure there's different, like, connotations and things that come with that. When I think of church, like when I think of like growing up in church, I instantly think of this old German Mennonite church my family went to. And I, I always remember getting dressed up for church. Anyone remember having to get dressed up for church? You remember that? Mom would pick out clothes on Saturday night. You know what I'm talking about? Five of us? Yeah, right. Like all of us. Mom would go, right? They'd go. I see some moms in here. And they're like, I still do that for my 28-year-old son. Um, like they go and they pick out your outfit and you got to get all dressed up. And it was always a polo. Every time it was this polo that was just a little too short. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. Uh, like, I, at least it was for me. And I remember this one time, I just like, I just was like, Mom, I'm not wearing the polo. Like, I just remember putting it on, I'm like, no, Mom, I will not wear that. She's like, you have to wear it. I'm like, I won't. You have to wear it. And I was like, I'm not going to church. I hate church. If I have to wear a polo, I'm never going to church. And she was like, you never say, you know, and then she raised her voice to that level you can't beat on Mom. You know that moment. I was like, can I please wear a t-shirt? She said, fine, you can wear a t-shirt as long as I get to pick it out. And I'll never forget this, like just the biggest troll of ever, of all time. My mom picked out these three matching t-shirts for me and my brother and my sister. And they were like these kids VBS t-shirts, you know what I'm saying? Tucked in, khaki shorts, brown belts, everything was matching. We just looked like what you guys wear today. It was pretty cute. But when I think of church, I think of matching outfits. That's what I think of. When I say church, maybe you think of like, like going on, or maybe it's Christmas with the family. When I think of church, I think of coming home, my grandma has a pot roast made, which I just despised, but ate it anyways, you know? When I think of church, I think of really fun camp moments. I think of going to the new Bay. Yeah, okay, some happy ones too, right? Like when I think of church, all these different things come to mind. And it's funny, like if I was to ask every single one of you, what do you think of when you think of church? What is faithfulness, what does all of this mean to you and to me? And when you add all of that up for every person at this service, for every person at the 11 this morning or at the 9 or at the 2 p.m. or at West Shore today at 10, 
when you add all of that up and then you think of 99 years of faithfulness, friends, this church holds so much beauty and fun and memories and God's faithfulness and matching outfits and coffee bar and meals and all of these pieces. And I just really have to take a step back and think, man, the church, yes, Coastline Church is 99 years today, but the church truly is a faithful place. It's a faithful thing, isn't it? Like, you can't, you can't think of church and not think of just faithfulness. And so, I don't know, I just was, I honestly, we just went down memory lane today. I was thinking a lot about church. I was thinking about what that experience was. Maybe for you, you're new to this whole church thing. I just want you to know, you are so welcome here. Thanks for joining us here. I'm really excited about what we're doing tonight. I'm really excited about what we're doing as a church. And, 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 and I want to unpack a little bit more of this idea of just loving the house having a heart for the house, really really longing, truthfully, to get to church even. There's this psalm, Psalm 84, it's kind of known as the, the psalm of church, and, and there's lots of these different pieces where they talk about just dwelling in the house of God, and you've maybe heard that song, like, better is one day in your court, and so I want to unpack that a little bit. Um, if you've got a Bible, go to Psalm 84, go to Psalm 84, if not, it's going to be up on the screen. Um, before we get there, though, I want to just, I want to just ta- give you a bunch of history. Can we do that? Any history buffs in the house? History lessons? Lively crowd tonight. Good, good to know. Good. Well, we're gonna. Ha- you're gonna get in anyways. You're gonna get in. Any- Robbie's excited. I know he's excited. There's there's this interesting thing about Psalm 84, and if you I, I, like, we're gonna read it tonight in its full, in its entirety. It's 12 verses, um, but we're gonna read it all tonight. And I know if, for many of you, you've heard this psalm or you've heard pieces of this psalm. But what you may not understand is the actual complete context of why specifically, you've heard, maybe again, you've heard this, this verse of, I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than have my tent near the wicked. Like, I, you've probably heard something like that. But what I want to do is kind of unpack the context because I think it really adds to the impact of this psalm into, into church, into having a heart for the house and, and being obedient. When, when Andy has preached about you know, giving for a couple weeks now, when we talk about giving back, why do we do that? Why is it so important? Why does this like, really matter to, today, now, and, and, and faithfully moving forward? Because when we unpack Psalm 84, we'll see something interesting. In the time of Moses, when the Israelites had headed out and, and Moses kind of they escaped Egypt, they had God set aside the Levites, okay, set them aside, one of the tribes of Israel, for full-time service to God. Now, this is really important. He set aside this one tribe specifically to, to really take care of, to handle all the different pieces of the tabernacle, another word for church or the house of God. And their job was to take care of, to, to actually pack up, to put up, put, to tear down, to move, to, to bring to another place. It was their job to handle all the tent pegs and the curtains and, and the poles and the beams and all of these different pieces. It was their job. There was these three, specifically these three sons of Levi, who, Gershon, Merai, and Koath, and they split up these tasks for all these things. Again, posts, frames, tent pegs, ropes, curtains. They were responsible for, this, for, for setting up and taking care of the sanctuary. But, this is important, specifically the sons of Aaron, they were in charge of the priesthood. So you have the Levites who are in charge of the facility of the church, taking care of, stewarding the house, if you will, of God. And then you had the sons of Aaron who really took care of the priesthood. Again, separate, and that was important. Now, because these things are so holy, like all the different pieces, like moving the Ark of the Covenant and moving the tent pigs and all these different pieces, eventually the Kohathites, which were these, again, one of the sons of Levi, began to just really loathe serving the God, serving God in this way. Again, big history lesson, but just follow me because it's going to make sense as we get into Psalm 84. 
really didn't like doing anymore, was kind of tired of it. And in fact, what was really interesting about this as well is Gershon and Meriah, I can't pronounce the last name, I'm sorry, the other two brothers, they got to move all the stuff with like, um, they got to like roll things, they got to have like carts to move things, but specifically Kohath, this, this one son, their whole family, they had to move all of the stuff, they had to shoulder the weight, put it on their backs. God actually asked them not to use anything except their own body, their own strength to move these pieces. And eventually they grew tired of it. They were done. They weren't having any of it. And so here comes Korah, a a, a son of Koath, and so a grandson of Levi. And he comes and he starts hanging out with these these different guys, uh, Dathan and Abraham and and sons of Eliab, and known as the Reubenite malcontents. And they actually challenge Moses and Aaron to be a part of the priesthood because they no longer want to anymore. It's super interesting that these guys, again, we're going to get to Psalm 84 in a second, to say, I don't have this heart. I don't, I don't want to serve the house. I don't actually want to shoulder the weight. I don't want to set up the tabernacle anymore. I don't want to pack it down. I don't care where the 10 pigs go. I'm not going to put the bin over here anymore. I'm not doing it any longer. And so Korah, they come all the family that come before Moses and Aaron, they say, we want to be a part of the priesthood. In fact, we're challenging for it. And in their pride, they do. And you can read about this in Deuteronomy 16 and 29. And Moses even says, he says, listen, if you really think I'm doing this for my name, if you think I'm doing this just for leadership, if you think this whole thing is fun and easy, go ahead. Try and, try and ordain this part. Try and, try and be the priesthood. Go ahead, if that's what you really feel. But trust me, God will judge those who turn against him. And so they do. They do exactly the opposite that God has called them to do. They have been ordained, given this wonderful task to set up the tabernacle, and instead they want something different. Okay, you following me here? And if you read about it, or if you know your Bible history at all, you'll know that in Deuteronomy 29, the Bible says the earth opened up and swallowed all of the sons, the entire line of Korah. But then later we read, in fact, that some of the younger sons were, were not. They were actually spared. And so God judged those who turned against him, but still he had a purpose and plan. This is important, you guys, even for this line. And so after seven successful generations, the sons of Korah became, like, arose, actually the prophet of Samuel, which many of you will know, arose from this line. And this is really important. They actually joined in with King David. They were some of the mightiest warriors. And then finally, they won the reputation of this. This is the most remarkable thing to me to know about the sons of Korah that in the time of King David, they became great leaders, specifically worship leaders in the tabernacle. So with all that in mind, think about this. They went from being anointed and setting up the house of God, rebelling and saying, all I want to do is be the priest, to then being deserted, basically having to fight for their their lineage again and for their, their obedience for seven generations. They finally come back and here history now comes to life and after seven generations they come back in full service to God as worship leaders and they write this psalm. They write 11 psalms. You'll find 11 of them in in, in the book of Psalms. And then they write Psalm 84. And at the very top it'll say this. I told Darian to keep it in the the notes. It actually says from the sons of Korah they write this, okay? So again, from deserted, from not wanting to be a part of it, to, the, to that little kid saying, I hate church, I'm not doing this anymore, I don't have a heart for this. Now all the way up to this, seven generations, now we know this is what they've done. This is how they're writing. Are you following me? Following me to say, come on, go sign out, do you awake? You follow me? And then they write Psalm 84. Keep that in mind. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. 
My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and, 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 the, and the, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. They went from serving God, hating the house, to now yearning for the house. I love this. I love this, and this is why history is so key. You have, to have, you have to have this entire context to understand that God went from saying, from swallowing up their whole line, if you will, to now putting the, these beautiful words into this psalm and saying they have not just a love for God, but an appetite, a hunger, and a thirst to dwell in the house of God. How lovely is your dwelling place, referring again to the tabernacle. My soul yearns, faints for the courts of the Lord. What was the last time, did you come with someone tonight? When was the last time you looked at your buddy and said, hey, you know what I'm yearning for tonight? It's Sunday night. You know what I'm, you know what I'm just, could faint if I don't get into it tonight? Let's go to church. Like, when was the last time you said it like that? Really, you want to go to church? I don't know. The football game's on. Like, usually it's like a debate. Do I have enough homework to go or not, right? That's usually the, the choice between tonight's service or not tonight's service, right? And I love this. They're saying, no, no, no. I yearn for it. I think yearning is just lost on us. I don't know if that's like a thing we feel or do anymore. Yearning. To truly just like, I just, oh, I just want that so bad. Because everything just is like right there now. Just just want a DQ Blizzard Uber Eats, right? Like, we can get what we want if we really want it. Like, we can. We can. I just want to travel. Like, we'll find a way, right? I remember I used to, showed out again to those who went to New Year's Bay Camp. I would always quit my job to go to camp. They'd be like, are you going to work all summer? Absolutely. July 10th comes, boom, gone. See ya. Don't care. Don't need your reference. I'm going to do what I want. And that's kind of how we are, right? Like, we will do what we want no matter the cost. It's real. It really happened. I would do it all the time. Terrible. Never got a reference. Fair enough. I understand why. And I just don't know if this sense of yearning really, like, I don't know if we really know what that feels like all the time. Because things are so instant. Because we can grab things so fast. What I love about this sense of yearning, this sense of longing for, is kind of the internal question. If you're a skeptic in here tonight, if you've come with a friend, you're not so sure about this, you've kind of dabbled in church, but you're not sure if you're like, I don't have a heart for the house. I don't know if I like care enough to be to give like financially or service or whatever. I don't know if that's me. This idea of yearning and hungering and thirsting for, I think the internal in your soul, friends, I think the internal longing and restlessness of the soul is one of the simplest proofs we have that God is real. I really believe that. That there is this like deep yearning inside of our hearts. There is this, this like thing our soul like cannot quite quench on its own, this thirst we have. You know what I'm saying? There is this hunger for something so deep and satisfying that goes far beyond any material or food or even relationship could fill. And I think this, this longing for this spiritual fill is actually a proof that God Exists. And now for you, that may not be God. It may be a higher power. It may just be spirituality in itself. And I think, truthfully, it's deep inside of us. Spirituality, I think, even in our city, is quite widely accepted. And mindfulness is quite widely, widely accepted. But I don't know if the idea of Jesus being the one who satisfies our soul, everyone would say, yes, that's it. I believe that's it. I believe that's exactly what that longing is pointing to. And so if you're a skeptic in here, I want you to search that out more. And this place is that place you can search 
as much as you can. But I just so believe that, that this place can be a sanctuary for your soul. That Jesus really wants to satisfy every need. Every need. I mean that. That yearning that this person writes about, that's this dwelling place, my soul yearns for it, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Like he understands my heart and my flesh, they cry out for who? The living God. That's for your heart, that's for your soul, and he wants you to know that. Verse four, it said, blessed, it says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. I love that. 84.4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Interesting, a pilgrimage is a journey made to a place considered sacred. It's this, you know, it's, it's a religious act of devotion. Now, when we talk about pilgrimage, it's usually this journey of self-devotion or self-finding or finding oneself. Very different in the context of the Bible. This is blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Can I press here for a moment, you guys? Can you just hear me for a moment? Dwelling and attending are not synonymous here. Now listen, I know you're here tonight, and you're like, is he about to rip up on church attendance? Like a little bit, maybe just a little bit. You're here tonight, so I don't want to like preach to the, to the crowd or anything. But I do think it's interesting when we talk about what it means to dwell. This, this word is used a lot, in fact, in the Psalms, and I, and I, I quite enjoy its, its idea of like occupying to inhabit, to take part of something physically, like to literally dwell in the house of God. We are open 24-7, so it's not like there's other opportunities. I'm not gonna start pointing at your schedule. You know your time. You know your schedule. I know it's midterm season. I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. But there is something to note about how, I, I always say this, man, whenever I come here, I just feel so full, Right? But then when things get going, things get heavy, things like the pace picks up in life, we get anxious, what do we do? What's one of the first things we do? I can't make it to church. I don't have time for that. I gotta, I gotta sort out my life. I gotta figure other things out first. And I just wonder if the Bible is saying, blessed, blessed are those who dwell in your house. I just wonder if, if we are consistently filled with anxiety and anxiousness because we're filling and dwelling in other places when God is saying the house has to come, become more of a priority in your life. I have to become more of a priority in your life. You wonder why there's anxiety in your life and yet you wonder, like, you, you feel not close to me and I just wonder if there's a connection there. Uh, before COVID happened, there was a study done and it said that they asked a bunch of people, what would you say is like, consistent church attendance, and they said one out of every three weeks, that's like attending church regularly. Regular church attendance, one out of every three weeks. Post-COVID, it's become one out of every eight weeks is regular church attendance. One out of every eight weeks, which is just like, what is that, like 10 times a year? I don't know, what's math? Math is story. Well, not quite six, it's 52 weeks, right? But like it's, that's like six times plus Christmas and Easter. And I think we can look at that and we can all kind of smirk and smile and say like, yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna, you're gonna feel distant from the house. It's not hard to be like, imagine you own like, if, if we would say faith matters a lot, it's like one of our highest values in our life. Imagine we put anything that we value so high. Imagine you went to your classes, I don't know, six times out of all your classes this year. Let's just get that much in. Your prof would be so mad. You would not be passing that, that class. You would be, it would be hurting, it would be hard. Imagine you hung out with your friends just, I don't know, 
six times this year and maybe Christmas and Friendsgiving. Maybe just that many times. How great would your relationship be, truly? Those who are married in here, imagine you just did six night outs this entire year. How awesomely, romantically intimate would your... You know what I'm saying? Like, guys, this is... Everyone's just giving me blank faces like, no, I think that's a fair amount. It's like, no, it's not. That's, this is the whole point. Like, this has become the attitude. We have, on one end, we have someone saying, I literally thirst to do all in the house of God. And in the back of our minds, I know some of us are saying like, this is Bible talk. This is unrealistic. You're not taking like life into consideration right now, Pastor Lucas. If everything in life continues to increase our anxiety if you're feeling overwhelmed with the path and the choices and the job and the school that we have already, if we're feeling distant from a relationship with God, if attendance for us is one in eight, I just want to encourage you to ask God to help you in your boundaries, in your scheduling, and in what matters most. I don't wanna come down, I don't wanna judge. I was on vacation two weeks ago, I wasn't in the house, okay? I get it. I'm just asking you to truly say, man, when I take a look at my heart and my soul and what I thirst for and what my appetite is for and what I'm hungry for, and I take a look at my stress levels and how I'm doing and how I'm feeling, I wonder if there's a connection because the Bible said, blessed are those who dwell in your house. And I think there's something to be said about that. I wanna dwell in the house of God. I wanna occupy, I wanna be a part of it. I wanna take part, I wanna serve, I wanna give, I wanna do all those things. I want, to, I want this place to feel like home to you, 100%. What do you do when you get home after Sunday night church? What do you do? You probably like get into your comfy clothes, right? Of course, like Nacho Libre would say, in your recreation clothes, you know what I'm talking about? Anyone? Like, yeah, I got some, that's awesome. You know, like you get comfortable, you sit, you dwell, you grab some, you make some nachos. I don't know what you do. Like we do nachos in our house a lot. Like we, you do the things that make you feel most comfortable. Friends, I want that to feel the same way for you. I want this place to be a place where you find strength, where your heart is encouraged, where you dwell, where you inhabit, where you take part. I want you to have a heart for this place. I want this place to feel like home to you. Verse six. These sons of Korah, they, they write this, as they pass through the valley of Baca, which is like the valley of mourning, the valley of, the valley of tears, the, the place of weeping. It's where we get that like, idea of weeping trees. So it could be a literal valley that had these like weeping sad trees, but also a place of crying. It's both maybe a physical place, also metaphorical. It says they make it a place of springs. You're seeing the imagery here. It's like in, in, in the valley of, of weeping, they make it a place of springs. They, uh, people, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. This is important. This idea of strength to strength, maybe you've heard, it was like our theme for, at Illuminate a few years back. And this idea that we usually go from like crying to strength or in, on a long journey. In a pilgrimage, you would go from strength to what? To weakness, to being tired gotta rest up, take a big nap, right? After, if you served this morning at church, really quick shout out, there's tons of you I saw serving this morning at church. We really pressed that on you. We said, what would it look like if all of our morning services never had to fight for a volunteer or a team member? Why? Because the evening service said, I can come and get refreshed at night, but I'm gonna serve the house in the morning. And I saw tons of you doing that today. I saw multiple of you, and I just wanna applaud you for that, for serving, for coming this morning, coming home. Probably what'd you do? Josh, you took a nap today, didn't you? Afternoon. Big nap guy, big nap guy, right? He had to rest up. Why? Because he was tired. Served all morning. In, packing in, packing out. 
But this verse is saying something interesting. It's saying, actually, as we dwell, as we come to God, as we just serve with him, as we're we're beside him, as we dwell in the house, we'll go from what? Strength to strength. It's saying that even physically, you may be tired, but spiritually, there is not a weakness here. That you will grow from strength to strength. You will take a next step. That there is growth for you and for me when we sit, when we dwell, when we come, when we serve, when we give. When we have a heart for the house, God's saying, I will always replenish you. You will never grow weary. You will not walk. You will grow faint. You, or you will run. You will, you, you will, you will like fly like wings on eagles. Like This is what happens when we come to the house and to the heart of God. That's what he's trying to say here. And what is really interesting about this is this, is, is this one piece as well. This idea from strength to strength, and from what I've seen and in, in, in researched and read in commentaries this week, it's not just about you getting a blessing and getting more blessing. It's actually about the generations to come, which I find really intriguing. You see, it's not just about you getting what you need now and then getting what you need later. Again, it's, it's bigger than you and me. He's actually saying, listen, you will go from strength to strength within your family, that you will actually go from strength to strength within the descendants, with different people, with your lineage, for your kids to come, whatever it may be. It's bigger than you. It's about the generations that follow you. Can I share something with you? Even if some of you decide not to have kids in here, there is a generation following you. There are kids who look up to you. There will be people around you, nieces, nephews, whatever it is, or just friends, people you serve beside, volunteer, whatever it may be. There is a generation behind you, they see you, and we wanna believe that if we have a heart for the house, if we come and we dwell and we serve beside God, that something's gonna change. And our generation won't go from strength to weakness to to hurting, to building, to grow. We'll go from strength to strength to strength. Are you seeing that picture? That's what he's saying, that's what the writer's saying. You guys know me, I, I have three kids that I talk about all the time. And that's why I think I'm so, so passionate about this generation, my generation, our generation. Because I know my kids are following you. And they're going to see you. And so that's why I have such a heart for you guys to occupy and be obedient to the call of God in your life. As we kind of finish up this chapter, it says, Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. And then this verse, which we've heard lots, verse 10. I love this verse. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Remember that history lesson we did at the start? It's really important now. Because at one point, the sons of Korah despised being the gatekeepers. You seeing that? They hated holding that door open so much. They hated carrying tent pegs so much that they actually went and tried to be, they were actually disobedient and tried to work out of the grace that God had placed upon them. That for generations they were lost. For generations they had no real spot in their family, in the tribes of Israel. And they're saying, we're not going back. I've actually seen what it looks like, they're saying, to dwell in the tents of the wicked. This isn't just poetry. Are you hearing me tonight? This is reality for them. They're saying, I ain't doing that again. 
I understand that there is blessing when I open that door. I understand that there is blessing when I give my tithe. Even if it's only what I can muster, I'm a starving student, but I do have a little extra. I understand what it looks like. I understand I get to just bless, and yet God, I still get to receive because of his incredible grace. I'm not going back. We're not going back. There's something so powerful about this picture because we've actually seen that they're saying. We have seen what it looks like to live without hope. We have seen what it looks like to not know where to serve or how to serve or what to do. We have seen what it looks like to give up this beautiful gift that God has given us to, to monitor, to love, to steward, to build the house of God. We know what it looks like to have a generation and family who didn't have a heart for the house and now we always want to serve and love and dwell and occupy in the house of God because I get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. We get to play a part in the heart, in the, excuse me, in the house of God, amen? That's what they're saying. I don't wanna go back to where it once was. I don't wanna do it like grandpa did. We've seen it. So I would rather be, with a joyful heart, I would rather be, I love it, a doorkeeper. I'd rather be a gatekeeper and put my tent anywhere else. Worship team, you can join me. For the Lord God, this is verse 11, is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, excuse me, for those whose walk is blameless. Verse 12, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one, you ready? Who trusts in you. And I think this is where we find ourselves today. We've wrapped up our We Are Coastline series. Today is Heart for the House. And Andy has asked you, as he preached last week, to just listen to God. If you weren't here last week, Andy just really asked us to, to think about what would it look like to give a special offering today? To say, I know what God has given me. He's blessed me. I have more than I realize. What would it look like to actually sow into this house, to be a part of this place, to say, I have a heart for this place. I wanna dwell here, I wanna occupy here, I wanna inhabit here, and that means serving, and that means being generous with my time and my money. That means being a steward of what I have so that, so that I can give. And this is where we find ourselves at the end of this psalm. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. You know, as I was praying over this sermon, as I was preparing this week, and I knew today was hard for the house. And I know lots of you, maybe you have, you know, this is your first time back in a while, and that's great. That's so awesome. Like, again, that's awesome. And I know life is hard. And financial, it's hard right now, financially. It's a difficult season. I know it sucks. It's hard. Totally. I'm with you. And I just felt like the Lord was said, I want you to share at Coastal Nights. I just want you to tell them, you can trust me with your finances. And I mean that as a sweeping term. I'm not just talking about that in, in making a bigger donation now because I said, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm hoping and believing that you've prayed and talked to the Lord about how he's asked you to give, period, full stop. But overarching in your life and in your financial, in your finances as you move forward, as you, as you, for those young adults in here who are at school who find this difficult, I want you to know that you can trust God with your finances. That is not one area he's asking you to hold on while you give everything else out. He's asking for all of you, relationship with all of you, every part of it, that's the debt, that's the surplus, that's the relationship, that's the family stuff, that's the church trauma. It's every aspect that you have in your life, he wants to be a part of it. That's what he's saying. 
And I was like, Lord, that's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. I'll say it in a way that's profound. I'll find like a really good point and I'll hammer it home and we'll, it'll rhyme and they'll remember. No, he just wanted you to know you can trust him with your finances. You can trust him with your finances. He sees, he knows, he understands the challenge. You know, one of the first things that happened tonight, a great guy in this church just came up to me and said, I got something for you. And it just said tithe. Just in the list said tithe. I was like, you want to put your name on it? You know, you get a, you get a tax deduction. So you know, I don't just smile to know it's good. Like, do you want to put it in? It feels good sometimes. No, it's all good. And I just saw this beautiful act of trust. You know the pews that we sit in right now? This whole balcony? A long time ago, men and women of this church wanted to build that belief that it would be full. And it was packed today in the house today, guys. But the church didn't have enough like equity to really afford that loan to build. So men and women of this house, of this church, they used their own homes as collateral to the bank. Meaning if they couldn't make the payments on the rest of this building, their house would be sold, given to the bank as, as financial like recovery. We sit right now, every day we dwell, we occupy in the faithfulness and obedience of people who have gone before us. I want to say that I was a part of, that I sowed seed, if you will, financially, service, yes, but specifically tonight we're talking about financially, we're saying I was a part of a place, I had such a heart for the house, that I know that people will dwell in the house of God long after I'm in heaven. That people will come and they will sit and they will listen and he, they will hear the gospel, that there's a God who loves them, that is for them, that they'll be able to worship freely saying that you were there every moment, that yes, the row behind was hard, but I see faithfulness ahead that I sowed and I was a part of that and people occupy space that I gave to, even when it was tough, even when it was challenging. Because I had a heart for the house to give. We sit in that type of faithfulness right now. We occupy obedience. And I wonder if we will also be the people who say, I will be obedient knowing that people will come after me who will occupy that space. I want to believe that. I want to fight for that. Yes, it's our house. And it's God's house. Yes, we play a part. Yes, he plays a bigger part. We're under his will. But let's give, let's be generous, let's be people, let's be the sons of Korah after, hey? That didn't want more, want less, or didn't want to be part of it, but said, I would rather be a gatekeeper. I would rather just know that this small piece, my tithe, as I give every single week, that I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. I don't always know what's happening. I don't always have everything figured out, but I trust God with my finances that the generations to come will occupy my obedience long after I am gone. That's the type of follower of Jesus I wanna be with that type of faith and that type of hunger, and I hope you do too. I hope I encourage you tonight, and I hope mostly you're just listening to God and doing what he's calling you to do, and that you have a heart to serve this place, to be a part of this place, and to do life and community together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, tonight, we just come before you and we say thank you. Thank you that even a generation of people who said, I don't want to be a part of it all, who, who actually pushed you away, still, God, you had plan and purpose for them. You did something remarkable in the sons of Korah. And tonight, I ask in Jesus' name that you would do something remarkable in us. God, that we would not try and hold on to any aspect of our life too much, God, but we would actually give it to you. Jesus, I just pray that in this house tonight that people would feel free to give. 
God, that the spirit of fear, the spirit that would say, I want to hold on to my money, the spirit that would say, I don't need, to, I can't, I don't have the, the ability to be generous. Whatever spirit that would come against uh, what you have for us, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would come through, that you would help us find breakthrough in the areas we need to find breakthrough. And that in Jesus' mighty name, that the youngest even in this house, the youngest who maybe attend here all day long would be the most ready, the most able, with the biggest heart, ready to be generous. God, I pray from here on out that this service would be marked by our generosity, yes, financially, but also in service and in love, that no person would ever come here uh, alone and leave here alone, but every single person would find you, Jesus, in community and life and love. I pray that we would be people who yearn, who truly yearn to dwell in your house, to receive from your spirit. Lord, we love you. How lovely is your dwelling place. We yearn for you. We even faint for the courts. We know that if even a sparrow has found a home, we can too, that every person can find home here. So Lord, bless every person who praises you tonight. Bless every person who comes here tonight. Bless every person who finds their strength in you. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said...